Hello everyone, my name is Bailey. My name is Miriam. And my name is Q. Welcome to our Development and Disease Podcast. We will be talking about specific rare genetic disorders by going through their history and symptoms, as well as the causes of the disorders. Today, we will be focusing specifically on Harlequin ichthyosis, a rare genetic skin disorder, which will be abbreviated as HI. But before we get into any specific genetic disorder, Let's talk generally about rare genetic disorders. Why are we even talking about this? One argument is that rare genetic disorders present a legitimate public health concern. Why? In recent years, the rate of infant mortality has been decreasing because treatments for infections or vaccines for diseases have improved. And because infant mortality has been decreasing, the proportion of those deaths caused by rare genetic disorders has been increasing. Researchers in Europe found that globally, there could be from 263 to 446 million people impacted by rare diseases at any time, almost 72% of which are genetic. This means that although rare genetic disorders may not seem relevant for the average person, they are massively relevant for public health on the whole. But according to the U.S.-based National Organization for Rare Disorders, 90% of rare disorders have no FDA-approved treatments. There is also very little research done, perhaps because of the variety of locations that see cases of Harlequin ichthyosis, leading to small, scattered populations throughout the world that have the disorder. So any research done on rare genetic diseases is important for public health and for a better understanding of disease and development more generally. To begin our discussion of the specific rare genetic disorder of the day, we need to take you back in time to 1750 in Charleston, South Carolina. There, on April 5th, a reverend in the area, Reverend Oliver Hart, was making an unforgettable journal entry. His journal entry reads as such, quote, I went to see a most deplorable object of a child, born the night before, of one Mary Evans in Shastown. It was surprising to all who beheld it, and I scarcely know how to describe it. The skin was dry and hard and seemed to be cracked in many places, somewhat resembling the scales of a fish. The mouth was large and round and wide open. It had no external nose, but two holes where the nose would have been. The eyes appeared to be lumps of coagulated blood, turned out about the bigness of a plum, ghastly to behold. Now, he didn't know it at the time, but this journal entry is one of the first mention of what scientists and doctors know today to be a condition called Harlequin ichthyosis. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about the characteristics of the condition and its potential complications, its genetic underpinnings, and its social implications and history. To start, let's define a few key terms. Ichthyosis is the general term for a group of autosomal, recessive, congenital skin condition that impacts keratinization. Now, those are a lot of medical words, so let's break it down even further. Ichthy comes from a Greek word for fish. In Hart's time, this is probably the closest comparison they had. Today, we know that these disorders impact keratinization, a process by which special cells on your skin called keratinocytes produce keratin, a protective structural protein that makes up the top layer of human skin. What did the rest of that sentence mean? A group of autosomal recessive congenital skin conditions. Let's break down what all of those words mean. 
autosomal refers to where the gene is located within the genome. More specifically, it's a gene that isn't found on a sex chromosome. Congenital simply means that the disorder is present and apparent from birth. And finally, recessive indicates the way a gene appears visually or functionally, which is known as your phenotype. A recessive trait is one that can be masked by another gene. All humans have 46 chromosomes, getting 23 from each parent. But the 46 chromosomes come in pairs, meaning a chromosome from each of your parents will have similar genes in the same place. With a recessive disorder, the person must have received the gene for that disorder from both parents, otherwise the dominant gene would hide it. This means that someone could carry the gene without showing any physical symptoms or suffering any health issues. They're called a carrier. So, to return to that complicated sentence we just broke down, ichthyosis refers to a group of autosomal recessive congenital skin conditions. Autosomal means on a non-sex chromosome. Recessive means there can be carriers who don't have the disorder but might pass it on to their children. And congenital means that the skin condition is present from birth. So what does harlequin ichthyosis look like? Babies born with harlequin ichthyosis have as Hart so bluntly put, thick skin resembling armor or scales with deep fissures or grooves, as well as a variety of other secondary characteristics. These include facial abnormalities like eclabium, which is the turning out of the lips, ectropion, which is the turning out of the eyelids, microcephaly, which means the child has an abnormally small head, and joint contractures, which is the tightening of joints causing deformities. There's still a lot of research to be done to predict how severe each of these symptoms may be. But generally, babies with the harlequin ichthyosis have really tough skin, extensive facial deformities, and deformed joints. These particular physical deformities come with a host of challenges for the baby in its first four weeks of life. These babies may be born prematurely, have dyselectrotemia, or a lack of electrolytes in their blood, have difficulties controlling the temperature, or suffer from infection. These infections are particularly common, especially due to the fissures in the skin. Babies with HI are particularly prone to sepsis as well, and combined with respiratory failure, this is the most common cause of death in neonates with HI. In addition, respiratory difficulties are common, especially if they're born with a clothing membrane. This is the tight, shiny outer membrane of the skin, which causes facial deformities like the filling of the eyes and lips as mentioned earlier, which in turn can cause difficulty breathing. Neonates may also have symptoms of hypernatrium and dehydration, in which their sodium levels are greater than 150 millimoles per liter. For comparison, a healthy sodium levels fall between 130 to 140 millimoles per liter. Ultimately, there are a variety of possible challenges, but the most common are respiratory failure and infection. But why does this condition occur? What is happening at the cellular level that causes these symptoms and phenotypes? To understand that, we have to take a look at genetics. We've already mentioned that harlequin ichthyosis is an autosomal recessive disorder, meaning that it's not sex-linked, but that still leaves 22 pairs of chromosomes where that gene may reside. Scientists have found that in 93% of reported cases, there is a mutation on the ABCA12 gene. But before we get to those mutations, what does the ABCA12 gene normally do? The gene is located on chromosome 2 and is part of the ATP binding cassette. This is a group of genes that code for the transport of other molecules across cell membranes. 
ABCA12 specifically transports surfactant lipids by lamellar granules. Lamellar granules are just organelles and keratinocytes, the cells we mentioned earlier that produce keratin for the skin, and type 2 alveolar cells, which can be found, among other places, in the lungs. These surfactant lipids basically help to prevent water loss and maintain skin development. Surfactant lipids aren't just produced in the skin, they're also produced in the lungs. In harlequinic theosis, however, patients have defective lipid secretion, which creates drier, tougher skin. This may also be why patients often suffer from respiratory difficulties as the protein that helps make pulmonary surfactant, which helps you to breathe, is defective. At the biochemical level, the ABCA12 gene may be mutated or changed in a variety of ways that lead to harlequinic theosis. A majority of the mutations found on the gene itself are nonsense substitutions. These mutations occur when nucleotides, the building blocks which make up DNA, are changed. What usually occurs is that a codon, which is a group of three nucleotides that translates to one amino acid, changes to be read as a stop codon, which cuts off the protein before it's finished being made. This is also called a PTC, or a premature termination codon. However, there are a variety of other mutations occasionally found in individuals with HI, such as deletion mutations, where nucleotides are simply deleted from a strand of DNA. Any of these mutations may decrease the number of amino acids in a protein coded for by the ABCA12 gene. The proteins usually coded for by the ABCA12 gene consist of 2,925 amino acids, but some of the mutated amino acids found in individuals with AHI could have as little as 2,465 amino acids. And because this gene is recessive, both parents have to have the mutated ABCA12 gene for an individual to have harlequin ichthyosis. This means that the incidence or chance of having harlequin ichthyosis has been noted to increase with consanguinity in parents or parents who are more closely related. In 2011, research in London found that of the 45 cases they surveyed, 38% of parents were first cousin. And for the 33% of cases where the parent's ancestry was not known, 86% had the same mutation in their gene, which may suggest consanguinity. This is because the mutation may have been passed on through generations, ending up in both parents and being passed on to their child. So what does all of that mean? Basically, the genetic instructions, or DNA, which usually makes up a really important protein, have been rewritten. This is what causes the physical symptoms of harlequinic theosis that we mentioned earlier, like the tough skin and increased risk of respiratory failure. And if the parents are more closely related, the chance of them both having the same mutation in their genes increases. At this point, we'd like to shift to discuss the treatment options that are available. Harlequin ichthyosis cannot be cured, and survival rates are low, around 50%. However, survival can extend as old as 25 years with supportive treatment. Those who are born with harlequin ichthyosis are often placed in tertiary care centers with a level 3 NICU which just means centers that have units capable of caring for small or sick neonates or newborns. For neonates, treatment is focused on lowering water loss, balancing electrolytes, regulating temperature, and monitoring for respiratory distress, malnutrition, and infections. Neonates are often placed in an incubator with humidity to maintain skin moisture and are provided pain control for deep fissures in the epidermis or skin. Nutrition is also important, especially as infants may not be able to effectively breastfeed. 
due to facial deformities and tight skin. In these cases, a long-term supplemental feeding tube may be needed. There are therapeutic options for neonates, such as retinoid therapy. This therapy is similar to providing a vitamin A supplement, which helps decrease digital and thoracic constrictions, which is basically the shrinking of fingers and toes. This shrinking can lead to a variety of issues, including auto-amputation as skin around the digits constricts. This treatment usually starts within a week of birth and is discontinued after the baby is six months old. Other options may include the frequent use of lotions, baths, and IV hydration. So what does life look like for individuals with harlequinicthiosis? Counseling is often encouraged, and children need extra care as they grow up. There is also a common misconception that individuals with harlequinicthiosis have a very low pain tolerance, which makes doctors less likely to suggest aggressive treatment, decreasing the chance of survival. In terms of daily treatment, individuals with harlequinicthiosis are recommended to cleanse daily for hydration and the shedding of the stratum corneum or epidermis using latex-free gloves to prevent infection and adverse reaction to latex and moisturizing often. However, as individuals age, improvements are seen in patients' skin. The symptoms of HI may also present other challenges for growing children. Skills like fine or gross motor skills or walking may be delayed or decreased due to the painful constriction of skin. This delay, as well as more frequent hospital visits, may decrease interactions with others, limiting social and communication skills. However, researchers in London found that only 32% of surviving patients had developmental delays, and many patients are able to attend mainstream schools and higher education programs. However, there are additional considerations for people with harlequinicthiosis. Treatment can be costly, which puts financial strain on the individual and their family. In addition, individuals with harlequinicthiosis may suffer from mental health issues, and their families may as well. Stigma still surrounds the disorder, especially considering its rarity. This can worsen mental health challenges for patients and family. Courtney Westlake, whose daughter, Brenna, has harlequinicthiosis, told Everyday Health that people often ask her how her daughter got sunburned. Stephanie Turner, a 23-year-old with harlequinicthiosis, also mentioned this to Good Housekeeping, adding that people whisper behind her back and stare. Despite all of the challenges faced by individuals with harlequin ichthyosis, people still do just about everything people without HI do. Turner was the first woman with HI to have children, neither of whom have HI. She went to high school and was a cheerleader. Brian Merritt, at age 18, played on his high school basketball team. So despite the challenges of applying Aquaphor, a kind of lotion, multiple times a day and working around difficulties to control one's temperature and fine motor skills, these individuals are capable of going to school, playing sports, and even raising families. There's still lots to learn about harlequinicthiosis, including the treatments that may be available, the genetic underpinnings, and the quality of life for individuals with HI. If you'd like to know more, you might want to check out the National Organization for Rare Disorders or the Foundation for Ichthyosis and Related Skin Types. It's essential to understand the importance of rare disorders, especially rare genetic disorders, on public health generally, and advocate for more research and care. That's all we have, and we'll see you next time on our Development and Disease podcast. Thanks for listening.